1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. He is 365
0: Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Sam Con, the athletic.com national columnist, joins us on 365 Sports. We'll get to his column on the uh, amazing depth and numbers of talent when it comes to football recruiting in the city of Houston. Sam, thanks for your time. I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but there is already a report that there was discussion today among the commissioners, the college football committee, that they might even look at 14 teams and the ink isn't even dry on 12. Your thoughts.
2: (laughs) I haven't seen that, but I'm not surprised. Uh, I do think the interesting thing about going to 12 was when is, when are we going to go to more? Because I think ultimately these conferences want more of their teams in it. And, the best way to do that, I guess, is through at-large bid. Me personally, I am a big fan of giving every conference in the FBS an automatic bid. Uh, I understand why they don't, because there is a, a little bit of a gap between the power conferences and the group of five. But I, I've always been a big fan of the I – I've in mean, his book, the BCS like, 12 years ago. Uh, there was 11 FBS conferences. Why not do 11 plus six largest? Uh, but I always think there's going to be a degree, and we've seen this in the NCAA tournament, a degree of teams feeling like they're deserving of getting in, and so you're going to probably end up adding more at larges, which are going to go to more power conference teams, and so and it's also money. It's also money because more more teams means more games means more content means more money, <laughs> and that's ultimately what drives the sport at the end of the day. I hate to say it, but that is what drives the sport at the end of the day. So. I don't think long-term 10 years from now, will we still be at 12 teams? Probably not. We'll probably be bigger than that, but I would say let's get this first 12 team underway and, and see how it goes. And I'm happy that we're at least at this point now where we have 12, because I do think four was too small. Sam, um the conferences want to make there's some of the conferences that want to make cues and they say they maybe want four. That might be where this 14 uh, comes from right away. Do you think that you say four, everyone else says one and then they go, okay, how about two? And then they, they let it go. Or are they trying to just tell them eventually we're going to shove you guys out the door? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think certainly a lot of this is negotiation of posturing, but I'm sure there's a little bit of truth in there, too, as to what, what these conferences really want. And, you know, again, all this, too, is divides on how the pie is going to split up as well, you know, how, how the financial pie is going to be split up. And the, the hard thing about making these decisions, too, is we don't even know what the conferences are going to look like long term. I mean, and, and that's become an annual thing now, is that's what makes it difficult on basing this on a conference structure and conference automatic bids. as much as I like the conference automatic bids, because it gives you, it makes the conference championship mean something. It's hard to base anything. And, and I know that the next contract will be, you know, however many years, six years or eight years or however long. It's hard to do that because what conference is going to look like in eight years? It used to be for so long, conference to stay stable. And it feels like now every time so we have something happening. So do you adjust it every year, every time there's a major conference shakeup? And, and so that, I think that plays in all this as well.
3: Sam, you wrote an article, Houston Confidential, uh, talking to various high school coaches about who recruits the city of Houston the best, and I know we're going to delve further into that, but there's a there's a couple Baylor mentions here and there, but they just lost their third assistant coach in the last two days. Uh, Dennis Johnson now headed to join the Baltimore Ravens, uh, lost their O-line coach, uh, lost the linebackers coach. I know they're mentioned in this article here and there but what's just the outside perception you get right now when it comes to Dave Aranda and Baylor and the feel from outside the program?
2: I mean, I think it's really clear that he's entering 2024 on one of the hottest seats in the country. Uh, And that's no, that's nothing new to anybody in Waco. Uh, Obviously last season was a disaster in the way it looked on the field. Uh, And, and they've got to get better. And, you can understand why other coaches would take other jobs. And granted, you're taking a job at Alabama, even the best of times. That's, that's a good move because, uh, you know, Alabama is Alabama, and that's a school that can pretty much hire somebody from anywhere. Uh, but I think they're – I think it's it's challenging for them right now. They have to have something positive to hang their hat on, which makes this season oh so critical for Aranda in that program. They have got to – not only get back to the postseason, but I think they need to win at least eight, nine games to restore some faith and positivity uh, in that program. And, and just I, I think the, the demeanor and just the vibe from that place in the last 12 months, or especially the last, I guess, five, six months, has just not been great. And most, mostly it goes back to, to on the field. When it comes to recruiting, yeah, the, the assistant coaches that I know uh, that, that have recruited the Houston area, are very well thought of, like Caleb Collins is one of them that was mentioned. Like Caleb, Caleb is very highly thought of down here in Houston. But uh, ultimately, guys want to win, and, and you got to put a winning product on the field, and that's really the onus on that team and that program moving forward.
0: Which angle would you take with these coaches being stolen or leaving? That Aranda knows how to hire a pretty damn good staff or that they're bailing because he's a lame duck coach?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm sure like in any situation, I think there's probably a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I think Oranda's a smart guy. I think we, nobody would dispute that. Mm-hmm. If you spend time around him, he's very intelligent. He knows ball. Uh, and, and he's been around this sport long enough to build a strong network of contacts and coaches. So if Dave Oranda's hiring you, chances are you're pretty good at what you do because Dave Oranda's not hiring dumb. And so, those are those are good coaches that he hired and and if you're again if alabama calls you take that call and and certainly i would imagine there's probably a pretty good pay bump involved in that too but yeah is there a is there a degree of hey it's easier to make a move now because who knows how much longer it's going to last here with aranda baylor there's absolutely a part of that you know on the flip side you know when jeff grimes was there for a couple years you know before he got let go uh, you know, after his first year there turning that offense around, I'm sure he had opportunities to go. And he chose to stay because he liked what it was and, and the atmosphere there, and it was stable. And after they had won the Big 12, it didn't look like they were going anywhere for a while, and how quickly things have changed. So I think there, like anything, I think there's a little bit of both kernels of truth into those decisions.
0: SamConTheAthletic.com with us on 365 Sports.
2: To your column about Houston and it being one of the best, uh, you know, recruit hotbed cities, I like to ask this to recruiting people and people who know the business. Sam, if you were a head coach and they were told, and you were told, we're only going to buy your staff plane tickets to five cities to recruit in,
0: Houston would obviously be one of them. What would your other four be?
2: Uh, Miami, South Florida would be another, DSW would be another. L.A., Southern California, and Atlanta. So, yeah. Those would be it. Yeah. Those, are the, those are the five to me. Uh, I don't think you have to go anywhere else. I, certainly, if you look, certainly if you're certainly if you a Big Ten school and you're north of the Mason-Dixon, you probably want something up there. But as far I mean, I've lived most of my life down here. So, brother, give me those five cities. I'll win a national championship if I recruit mm-hmm. those five cities.
0: I don't disagree with any of them. Uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking about perhaps somewhere in, in Ohio or in – uh michigan but no maybe. yeah yeah but i i i think every single one of those areas and those are large metroplex areas but i think you're exactly right some are growing but what they have in georgia now has been a uh has been smoldering for more than just the last five or six years that that has fed college football programs and not just the bulldogs yeah a
2: hundred percent and and it's part of the reason why you got Florida recruits there. The Carolinas recruit there. Obviously Georgia and Georgia Tech. Uh, the Mississippi schools recruit there. Heck, even the state of Texas schools are now mm-hmm. recruiting guys out of Georgia. I remember Dana Holgerton at Houston I signed a quarterback from over there last year. Uh, I've seen Texas and Texas A&M reach into Georgia in these last few years. So yeah, that, that region of the country is growing a lot and, and the talent and competition. Is pretty good and so you, you get you can get strong evaluation you get some pretty damn good players out there. so to
3: your article on the city of houston and it's a recruiting atmosphere right now there's a, a lot of variables in play but first off i guess seems like willie fritz is making some some moves and he's out there and, and people are noticing it sam
2: yeah i would say uh, of all the guys i talked to i thought willie fritz was met met with mostly universal praise uh and it, it was not just praise for him, but also coaches noticing that he is out and about a lot more than his predecessor was. Uh, Dana, Dana Horgerson, obviously a good football coach uh, and a good X's and O's guy. But I think anybody would say recruiting was probably not his favorite thing to do. Uh, he, his previous staff did get some positive marks, like uh, the, the, the assistant coaches that were on that staff before. Uh, but this one has seemed to have hit the ground running in the winter contact period, and I think Willie Fritz has done a good job of just spending time doing the face of the program stuff, shaking hands, kissing babies, spending time with the people out there, Even not even just in recruiting, even at on campus at basketball games. You know, when he's at basketball games, he's out there mingling with the people at U of H basketball games, and, and people notice that and see that, and I think that's making some ways for him.
0: You know, at some point around May or so, Joni Layman's going to send out an email to us about trying to predict the, pe- the the Big 12 football conference. Is that even possible with how many teams are now a part of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to pass on
2: that <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, one to 16 and, and so many of these programs are at a similar level, yep. which is what makes it hard. It's not like there's really dominant programs that you say, "Well, their talent level is way above everybody else's." everyone kind of recruits in the same like 40 spot range from like the, the high 20s to the low 50 maybe you know high 60s it's it's a pre it's a pretty close together I, I guess for lack of a better term everybody's on the same salary cap you know uh, everybody's got different advantages and strengths but it's it's going to be really fascinating to see how how this con- conference shapes up in the future with a lot of good football coaches by the way too you talk about you know, we're bringing in Utah, who's got Kyle Whittingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you know, you're bringing in, uh, you know, obviously the four pack 12 schools, but you also got Willie Fritz coming in now at Houston and uh, some really good established coaches already in climbing and hold. And, you know, you're interested to see how, you know, Texas Tech goes moving forward with Joey and, uh, you know, is TCU going to bounce back? It's it's really, you know, Gundy's been there forever at Oklahoma State. It's, it's a, really, a lot of really good football coaches in this conference. It's going to make it hard to, uh, to dominate the league
3: honestly and staying on Utah a little bit I think folks who have followed recruiting in Texas closely for years are well aware that they've had plenty of success uh, whereas in Arizona and Arizona State uh, and I guess Colorado uh, kind of getting back in the fold may have some groundwork to lay Sam uh, although Dion can maybe fast forward some of that Morgan Scally is the name that you mentioned in the article and I mean that's a he's been like basically an institution recruiting in Texas the last several years has he not
2: yeah, no, I gosh. I mean, I started covering recruiting in 2011, 12, 2012. And, buddy, I've been hearing Morgan Galley's name around these Parts for that long, for the last 12 years. Uh, there are a few guys outside the state of Texas who recruit the state of Texas, and particularly the Houston area as well, as he does. Uh, I, I was not shocked at all, but still it was amusing to hear how many coaches dropped his name to me as somebody who really stood out. And so he's done a really good job. And there's a reason you you look at why that program succeeds. They find guys who are not necessarily four-star, five-star types that are developmental guys that they're able to get in the program, develop them, hang on to them, and turn into star football players that help them win championships. It's really incredible what they've done, and he's he's kind of the tip of the iceberg for that.
0: If you want to do a trip down memory lane on Houston – Recruiting Houston. There was a young, there was a man named Elmer Red. He was on Houston staff when Bill Yeoman was there. I think he was from Lufkin, Texas, and he had as much of a pipeline into Houston as anybody ever has. And that just, just to just to throw that out there. That's from my years when I was working in the Lufkin, Nacogdoches area. He was the godfather of, of recruiting Houston. Sam, I want to bring up one other thing. We brought this up today with the possibility if there ever is that, you know, break off, whatever. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it ever does, don't you think if in fact it does, and I don't think it will happen, um, that the schools that are putting in so much money for facilities and stadiums and all of that, salaries, the and a lot of them are in the Big 12, a bunch of them are in the Big 12, would that not cripple them and some of the stuff they've built would just end up being nothing but a Bunch of concrete and weeds.
2: I, I it it's going to be a case by case thing. I think it's how much of your facilities project. You know how much debt service do you have on those things? If if they're newer, obviously you have a lot. If they're you know ten years old, you know hopefully you 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 paid those down and you don't have that much on it. Uh, it's but essentially somebody's you know that bill's got to get paid one way or another. Uh, yeah, that'll hurt it, and I think. That's part of the issue and why we are where we are today is because revenues in this sport exploded over a couple decades really from it felt like from the mid-90s until you know all the way up until now that these revenues from tv networks have continued to explode and athletic departments have grown and so many of these departments now have over 100 million dollar budgets and the, the the place to put those you're not supposed to really be turning a profit because this is not supposed to be a profitable event, uh, venture. And so you had to put it somewhere. So you put it in coaching salaries and you put it in facilities. Well, you because you could have put it in players then. You could have shared some of that TV revenue back then. But we didn't do it, so we put it into that. And now that there's going the players are going to probably get – every athletic director you talk to now, certainly a lot of the ones I've talked to, feel like within the next five years, maybe less, players are going to be sharing in TV revenue. So that means you're going to have to cut back somewhere and uh, the places that's probably going to get cut back is facilities and coaching salaries. And, and, and obviously probably I would think other sports are probably going to factor that in as, as well, which is really unfortunate because that's going to mean lost opportunities for other players. Uh, I would hope that that is minimized and that, that the facilities and the coaching salaries are the ones that are more affected as opposed to opportunities for young people. But yeah, I think we all know that, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to cut things that don't make them money. So that is is part of the problem and part of why we are where we are. But, yeah, it's going to be difficult, like you said, for the schools, especially schools I I talk about Houston, University of Houston. They have been subsidized by their athletic department a lot over the last 15, 20 years. And if, if we are at a point where they're having to share TV revenue, what is that going to mean for a program like them that has a lot of debt service on their facilities? Uh, and have had to have subsidies for a long time. What does that mean for a program like that? And a lot of other programs are at that level. It's going to be really fascinating, and it could be a little scary to learn over
0: time. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, Sam Kahn. Go uh, go to practice. I know you got to go pick up, uh, take somebody to practice, one of your uh, children to practice. Enjoy that. Sam Khan, with us from theathletic.com. The article, Houston Confidential, who's recruiting the city best? We asked high school football coaches. It's a lengthy but really good read in theathletic.com.
1: This has been a Rogue Media Network production.